God. I want you to give the Lord a clap offering for that because he is. He is a great God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's so good to have you here this morning. Uh, and we had a, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of our people come to the first service because I don't know if you guys know that CSU is playing a game at noon. So a lot of the second people came early. <laughs> so they can go see that game. But I am so glad that that did not affect you. That's good. <laughs> it's so good. So look at here. I have the wonderful pleasure of bringing some information to you, uh, this morning out of the scripture. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses uh, 11, I mean 10 through uh, 13 this morning out of the book of Haggai. Now, but what I want to do is ask you to get a picture in your head, a picture that says this is what God is doing with me and with him together. And God is asking you to allow him to build something in your life. But he's also asking you to build something with a relationship with somebody else as well, with the body of Christ. That may be wife and children as well, and as your neighbor. But he's also asking you to join with us as we begin to build a physical plant here on earth so that the glory of God would be reflected in the city of Fort Collins. And so all this building is going on, and that's what the book of Hecai is about. When God steps into your life and begins to build something with you, he begins to build something in you. And in that building, there's all kind of construction going on. There are things that are being shaken, and we talked about that last week. There are things that sometimes when the building process goes on, you get a little discouraged. Why? Because maybe you got to go back to the bank and get more money to dig another hole or put another foundation down. So if anybody that's in construction, management realizes that building is a process. You're tearing up the ground. You're bringing certain things in. And so when God says, I'm going to work with you because I want you to build something physical, but I'm also working with you because I want to build something mentally. I want to build something emotionally. I want to build something spiritually with you. So now, as of today, when we look at verse 10 all the way to verse 13, it comes on the hill of building. It comes on the hill of you and God saying, what are we building together. So what we want to do is want to talk about two particular words here that are very, very important. Now last week, Pastor Alex talked to you and gave you an example of what the temple would look like. And he talked about the Hilton and the way it's constructed and how tall it is and how big it is. And the temple that they were building back then, ladies and gentlemen, if you get this picture now, it was taller than the Hilton. And if you look inside of this room and you see a wallpaper, you see carpet, and the building that they had back then before it was destroyed, like this wallpaper, I want you to get a picture of the wallpaper now becoming laid with silver and gold. Everything you see on the wall is silver. Everything you see on the wall is gold. And this thing is another 10 stories high, or let's just be uh, a little bit more, uh, uh, how do you say, relational to that. Let's say it's another five stories. So this thing is bigger than the Hilton, and everything you see, lights, and, and all this here is nothing but gold and silver. Now let me tell you something, people. When you walk into a building like that, it is breathtaking. 
Now, I remember my lovely bride when uh, she used to get with these ladies of hers, and they still do this today after 25-some years, maybe 30 years, and they knit. And there was a time when they took two trips. They took one to Ireland. I just don't know why you had to fly across the pond just to knit. I never understood that deal. But then she also went to Italy and some other places. And she went and started seeing some of these what castles when she was in Ireland. But when she was in Italy, she started seeing some of these great, magnificent structures. And when you walked into these structures, Vicky would say, honey, it was breathtaking. I mean, huge structures. So while you sit here today, I just want you to imagine what these buildings look like, inlaid with gold, inlaid with silver. And all God was saying is, now people, I got you to a point where, first of all, I told you it was time to build. You didn't think it was. After that, now you start building, you got discouraged. I want to encourage you now. Now you're encouraged. Now while you're building, I'm getting ready to shake you. I'm getting ready to do something with you because I want to get all that stuff off of you. I want to get all the draws off of you so that when you do this work, you realize why you're working. Now he's saying you got the building right. You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Now I need to say something to you. Now here's what we're going to be dealing with today. These two words, glory and something that is fragile. How does frailty and glory work in the same place? How does it? Do you folk realize, do you people realize, do you brothers and sisters realize that when you're doing a holy work, it requires a holy attitude? Did you know that? When you're doing a holy work, it requires holy thinking. When you're doing a holy work, it requires holiness, period. But how can holiness hang out with something that is frail? How, how, how can frailty even act like it wants to be with glory? And so today I want to just encourage you that God is not without, uh, uh, let me just say this here. Unequivocally, God is doing a holy work in you. But let me say this to you. In that vessel <laughs> that you have where that holy work is being done, I want to tell you something about the frailty because if you don't grasp the frailty of who you are, you might miss out on the holiness of what God is doing. I'm going to say it again. If you don't come to grips with your own frailty, then you can't appreciate holiness. And it's not because God wants to show you how bad he is. He just wants to show you how good he is. And because of how good he is, he wants to make you good. Does that make sense, sir? Church. I just want to know if there's anybody here today. Because here's what's going to happen. By the time this message is over with, you're not going to be talking about your frailty. You're going to say, glory, come on. That's what you're going to be saying. Glory, come on. When you uh, get up in the morning, and those of us who are married and, and we're wives and uh, one wife, but I'm talking about a lot of people. But what happened is that my wife puts on her glory every day. She doesn't have to, but when she does, it accentuates. And so when you look at this word called divine glory, one of the first things you want to think about it when something is divine is talking about his nature. It's talking about something uh, that is from him. It is powerful. And, and, and now all of a sudden we're talking about splendor. Now, when you talk about uh, glory, you talk about something that is excessive. 
And when you walk into a building that is laid with gold, with, with gold that is laid with silver, where when you see uh, this beautiful wife of yours get up and all of a sudden she touches up her glory, there is something that is excessive, that is accentuated. Women do it all the time. But then when you talk about frailty, you talk about something that is weak. You're talking about something that is easily led by evil. You're talking about something that is frail and that is falling and that is decaying. And from verse 10 to verse 13, all of a sudden, for the third time, he gives a message. And in this third time, he has four times that he talks about a particular date and a particular time. Now watch this starting in verse 10, chapter 2. He says, on the 24th of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, uh, the prophet, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts. And then he says, ask now the priest for ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with his fold or cook food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And then the priest says, no. Then he says something else. He moves on. And then he says, in verse 13, Then Haggai said, If one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unholy? And the priest answered and said, It will become unclean. Now, Here's what I love about serving the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, the everlasting Father. This is what I love about serving him. He always warns us before he does something. I remember my parents used to warn me before they whooped my butt. You know what they would say? Go get me something to beat you with. You know, that was a warning. I'm getting ready to get spanked. <laughs> just, just go do it, okay? So you and I serve a God that loves us enough to where he gives us the fine print up front. So he's getting ready to say something to a people. Now, Alex will teach on that later. But before he does, he's using an analogy that is real. Now, what I want you to do, Haggai, is I want you to go to something that's real, something that you see happening all the time. I want you to go to these priests. Now, when you look at the scripture, it will tell you that priests are people who what? Who serve in the tabernacle as well as serving in the temple. And these are people who will make sacrifices on a regular basis. And the high priest would go in once a year and make atonement for all sins. And you can see this information in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles nine eleven, because God would choose the priest. He would tell them that they would have to stand before Him, they would have to minister to Him, and that they would have to work with Him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something: you are priest. 
You are part of a royal priesthood, and you don't have to have anybody go before God and you. Now the Holy Spirit is in you. Now you can go directly to God. So you need to know that you are a priest. Therefore, you need to think, live, and act like the priesthood of the believer. Are you with me at all this morning? That's the way you need to think. That's who you are. And so these priests had a duty. So when he was telling Haggai to go to the priest, he was telling him to go do something real. And then he says, hey, what I want you to do is have the priest have a ruling. Now, why is that so important? Because they also had the power to add value to things. The priest would be consulted. Why? Because they were the one that could tell the, with the preciseness of what the law was, unlike the judges today that we see up in the big Washington place. So it, it's important point for you to know that Deuteronomy 31 11 talks about the rulings that the priests do it also talks about that in Jeremiah 18 18 but what he wants to say to this guy is that when you go to the priest and they show you something I want you to understand the results of that now watch this when you look at verse 12 it says now look if a man carries holy meat now how did the meat become holy because the priest would take it and they would set it aside and it would be used for consecration for a sacrifice for the people. Now here's what he's saying. I want you to catch this. When the meat that is holy is wrapped in material that the priest would wear an outer garment where he would hold it and that coat, that material touch cooked food, wine, all or whatever it would it make that holy? Now here's what he's saying. The meat, even though it was in direct contact, or the material, even though it was in direct contact with the meat, the material does not have the ability to make whatever it touches holy. You need to grab that. I want you to understand the importance of that. Because see, the cloak, the foal, is nothing more than a container. And guess what? You are containers. And you have something in you. And they call it treasure. It's gold. You have something in you called the Holy Spirit. And it's gold. It's real. You are the priesthood of believer. You have something in you that is priceless. You have something in you that is golden, that is overlaid with more than just silver and gold, but it is the nature of God. It is the very being of God, people, that lives in you. And it's real. But watch this. Now the next example says this. If a man who is become unclean, because of a corpse that he touched a dead animal or a dead person, can he then, okay, continue to be unclean because of that? And the priest says, yes. Now, here's what we're getting ready to deal with because I'm going to take you to Second Corinthians and I'm going to take you to the fourth chapter. And I want you to know something. Frailty can only transmit frailty. And holiness can transmit holiness. So how in the world can the frailty of man 
have contained in it the holiness of God. Are you with me at all this morning? I mean, I want you to let me know if you're not catching the comparison here. Because what he's saying here, there's a contrast between splendor and jars of clay. Now, what Paul is going to do is Paul is going to explain this to you. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians, all right? And then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, all the way to verse 11. And then we're going to look at verse 16. Now, I want to share this with you because it comes by way of encouragement. It comes by way of letting you know that even though you have jaws of clay, this frailty thing is dying. This frailty thing is what? Decaying. This frailty thing is nothing more than a transfer from flesh to flesh, from wickedness to wickedness, and yet inside of this frailty is gold. Inside of this frailty is the living God himself, are you hearing me at all, church? So no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, you carry around with you the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace resides in you, church. And instead of you saying, look at this body that's decaying, what you should be saying every single day is, come on, glory. Glory, come on and shine through me. Glory, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I think, your glory is in me. Regardless. Because you and I live in a world today where the world has told us that our feelings are number one. You live in a feeling society. And society has told you how you feel is what it's all about. And what we need to understand is that God has given us feelings for a reason. And so that we can be emotionally attached to him. So that we can be attached to him with these feelings. And they're expressive, responsive. But ladies and gentlemen, our job as believers is to make sure that our feelings get reconciled to fact and get reconciled to faith. Are you hearing me at all? So if my feelings start determining who I am, all of a sudden I'm saying yes to frailty. If my emotion starts determining who I am, I'm saying yes to frailty. And what Jesus is saying in the book of Haggai to these people is, hold on, I understand now that you've been shaken. I understand that you've got courage. I understand now that you know we're supposed to be building and we're going to build. But do you realize there's something going on in you that this building process cannot continue because you have covetousness in your heart. This building project cannot continue because you've got unclean hands trying to fit do a holy project. It can't. So I got to stop it. I got to get your attention. Because this holiness in you is what's going to affect your attitude, not the frailty of your under construction body, not the frailty of your mixed emotions. That's not what's going to do it. What's going to do it is that this goal that's in this dirt pot is what it's going to be about. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hear this before we jump deeply into Second Corinthians. Even though you got this goal. In this dirt pot, that dirt pot ain't going to never become gold. Never. And if I'm you, I'm saying, come on, glory. Because I'm not going to have this body in heaven. It's got to die. 
Amen. <laughs> and when you get our age, you say amen tell. I'm not going to have this flesh in heaven. Because why? It's got a master holiness that's in it. And God ain't going to let me take this to heaven. But now, what I'm about to show you is something that I want you to hang on to now. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6-11, and in verse 16, I'm just going to make a statement. It's going to have four D's in it. Y'all know I'm an acronym nut. Four D's in it. Don't worry. Don't, don't forget these D's before you leave here. And God is going to show you a demonstration. You can write this down if you want to. God's getting ready to show you a demonstration now, all right, of the dynamics, that's the second D, okay, of the decay, that's the third D, of dualism. He is showing you, he's getting ready to demonstrate the dynamics of decay of the dualism. Now, what is dualism? Dualism basically says this. Part of me is in heaven, and the other part of me is on earth. And I struggle with that 24-7. Anybody want to hear that today? Part of me is in heaven, the other part is on earth. And I struggle with that every single minute. And so there's something that has to happen. So here are these people over in Haggai building this building. And while they're building it, they start coveting the fact, what? That this building is going to do it. And God has said, hold on. Hold on. You're still forgetting something. You see all of this silver. You see all of this gold. You see all of this glory. Let me tell you something. For those of you who've yet to be married and you're looking for that man or that woman. Do not be fooled by the outside temple. Because it's going to decay. (laughs) Yeah. It is. (laughs) Man, we can dress it up all we want. Man, we can throw powder at it. (laughs) We can throw, you know, the gym at it. (laughs) Yeah, we can do all of that. We can pop pills, man. We can do cosmetic surgery. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't have no problem. People want to look good. I have no problem with getting rid of excess. None of that. But, man, let me tell you something, man. You got to look at what's on the inside. And God is saying to these people who he is spiritually building, they're building a relationship with each other, and they're building this building. Hold on. It's all me. All of it. And for one moment, if you take your eyes off of the fact that it is me, for that moment is where frailty sets in. Dualistic. It's a constant battle. And he just wants them and us, you and I, to remember that it is him. That's all he's saying here. He's not beating the people down. He's saying, but hold on now. Your uncleanliness cannot continue to handle this holiness. It can't. And when you start thinking somehow that this building is going to be it, when you start thinking about this, it's me. Don't take your eyes off of it. Now I'm going to show you through scripture the beauty of the dualism. I'm going to show you the beauty of the decay. And here's my statement to you. 
why don't you just embrace the fact that you're decaying every day? And because you have in you the treasure, you're going to have some shakeups. Because you have in you the treasure, you're going to have some resistance. And just take it as the way of life. And when it comes, it's just a season. Some people think they've been in that season ever since they've been born. Yeah, there is a season you're going to be in every time you're born because you're born in the sin. But you don't have to have these seasons be all the time in the sense where there's no glory, there's no victory because it's not true. Because Jesus Christ is just like a referee that calls penalties against the devil when he blows it. And you got to know he's doing that. And man, when this guy calls a penalty, (laughs) he's calling it because he's a referee. Now that symbolism says this, when you watch football today, you're going to see refs. How do you know us? They got stripes on, right? Well, by his stripes, we'll heal. No, you didn't catch that, did you? Because when he throws that flag on the devil, it sticks. That's what you got to know that's going on. And that striped guy throws that flag because he has the power to throw it. And every time the devil messes with you, Jesus throws a flag on him. And you got to understand that he's doing battle for you. And there's a reason for it. So let's get into this. Church, are you with me so far? I just want to make sure we got some people in this room. Because let me tell you something. Because at some point you're going to say, come on, glory. Come on. You're going to be begging for glory to have his way in your life today. Now I want you to watch this thing. I want you to see it. And then we're going to get back. And I want you to show you this in 2 Corinthians. Let's look at 2 Corinthians starting with verse 6. It says, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the sight of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've had blind people in our uh, uh, congregation before. Rick Astley married uh, four or five years ago a blind couple, man and a woman, yeah. And, 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 and they got along just well. But see, a blind man can walk in this room and you and I can look and we can see light. But when you blind, even though the light is shining, you can't see it. So even though there is light, the question is this. Do you have sight to look at the light? And what Jesus is saying here through Paul is that God is the one that gives us what? Sight to look at the light. So you can have light and have no sight. And that's what's happened to the world. Because the devil has what? Covered up what? The eyes of the world because it cannot see the light of God. And the light of God is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. And therefore, because we've got the gospel, we not only have the light. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to see the light. Are you hearing me? That's how powerful that is. And so this is why God is saying through Paul, we have something that is so precious inside of us. The people who were building back then still got hung up in the building. They still got hung up in the splendor of it. And what was happening is they began to covet for it. They began to think that this building, they were going to do something to them, and it wasn't. God is saying it's still me. Now, here's the beauty of this. You're going to like this part. You're going to like this part. I'm trying to encourage you just a little bit. Here's what he's saying here. All right. Now, watch verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthing vessels. We have this gold in the jaws of clay. 
that the surpassing greatness of the power may be not, may be of God and not of ourselves. So all of a sudden, you can see this building going on. Now, some of you have driven down Timberline or some other places or Trelby. When you go all the way out to Trelby, you see this massive building out there. It's the Mormon Temple. It is huge. You know, and it's something splendid to look at because it's big. Okay? Now, 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 now there's, there's some people who can take a lot of pride in that. There's, there's buildings all over the place. But what happened is God is saying the size of the building is not it. Are y'all following with me at all? I mean, we all need a building. We all need a temple. I would just like y'all to go home and just experience what the homeless experience. And I've talked to some of those people. Man, that's different. Everybody needs a home. But what he's saying is, when you get in touch with your frailty, then you understand that it ain't got nothing to do with you. And some of us get stuck in our frailty. We do. And you need to say, come on, glory. <laughs> That's what you need to say. I need more glory. When I wake up in the morning, I look like a hundred pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. Come on, glory. I got this long list of things I got to do today. Come on, glory. I got some people on my schedule that I don't want to see today. Come on, glory. I need you. Y'all following the brother at all. See? Because I just want you to understand what he's saying through Haggai to the people. They were involved in a building project just like us. They were involved in God having them personally under construction just like us. They were involved in a relationship with God just like us. And God says, never take your eyes off of the builder. Never take your eyes off of the creator. Never take your eyes off of me. Because I finally got you to the point where you're ready to build. I finally got you to a point where now you're digging a hole. I got you to a point where you're not discouraged. I got you to the point where you accept your shaking. But wait a minute. Make sure your attitude is holy. Make sure your thinking is holy. Come on, church. See, y'all should be saying, come on, glory. Come on, he, he's talking to us. Come on. See, you should be saying that. <laughs> you should. Because I'm telling you, that's what you got to say from here on out. Now, 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 watch how this unfolds. Now, this this is the beauty of this whole deal. Because we're going to take communion here in just a minute, folks. We're going to take communion here. Now, I like this part. Here's what he's saying. All right, now, 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 I want you to get the picture of this dualistic framework. Here's how it works. He says, now, but... We are what? Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now watch this here. Affliction is nothing more than something being pressed down on you. But he says, I'm not crushed. Now what that means is, I'm not reduced. So even though this goal is in me, I still get afflicted. Now watch this. Listen to this. You need to understand this. That because of the presence of the goal in your life, you will not be crushed. Did y'all hear that one? You won't be. 
Now watch this part. Alright. Here comes the other part. Take a look at it. Alright. And you can be perplexed. I got emotional. Okay. Upheaval. I got mental gymnastics going on, but I'm not despairing. Look at here. I may get in a situation depression, but I don't have to live as a depressed person. Why? Because of the goal that's in you. Did y'all catch that one? The goal that is in you will not allow you to live in depression. It won't. Now watch this other one. Okay, because I am persecuted. Now there's something that wants to take me out. There's something that wants to take the wind out of me. There's something that wants to beat me up 24-7. But because of the goal in me, the frailty, watch this, will not be forsaken. Are you catching this? See, see, something in you should be saying, glory. <laughs> Come on. More glory. Come on. Come on, glory. I need you. Okay. Why? Because even though I'm struck down, even though I get knocked off of my feet, guess what? I am not what? Destroyed. Why? Because of the dualism. Because of the dualism. Now, here's how we close this. We're getting ready to close this. Alright? Now we, we close it this way. When the Lord says to Haggai, I got something to say to the people. But before you say it to them, I want them to realize that there is something on earth they can look at. They can go to the priests who are actually in the temple. And they will give them a ruling that if something is holy wrapped in a cloth, can that cloth transmit holiness to anything else? And the answer is no. And if a man touches a corpse, he becomes unclean. Will that uncleanliness continue in him? Yeah. Why? Because sin begot sin. Uncleanliness begets uncleanliness. And only holiness can be transmitted by God. Man cannot transmit holiness even though God will put holiness in him. Are you with me at all? And this is what you need to take home with you. This is what you need to take home with you. In the midst of this dualistic framework that you live in, God does not want your frailty, this container, to become a hindrance for his glory to shine through. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. That God does not want your container to stop his glory. He wants to shine through you regardless of what you think, how you feel. That's what he wants. And what happened to those people back then is that they allowed the temple, they allowed this outer structure to be something that they coveted. And God says, no. It's me. It shines because of me. You work because of me. You exist because of me. And don't ever take your eyes off of that. And the moment you take your eyes off of that, frailty takes over. And quit giving frailty a vote. Because it's going to die. 
and it's going to decay. But in the meantime, in the meantime, watch this last part of verse 16. I love this part. It says this, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our inner man is decaying, yet our, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Wow. Can we just embrace that? Can we just embrace that our flesh is dying on a daily basis? Can we just embrace the fact that we're going to have speed bumps in our life? Can we just embrace the fact that sometimes, man, you're going to get a first time. Sometimes you're going to get a touchdown. Sometimes you're going to be penalized and yet you're going to go backwards. Just embrace it. But that goal is going to remain goal. And it's going to do exactly what it's supposed to do. And it's going to hold this old frail body together. (laughs) And it's going to keep that body saying, glory. Come on. So when something happens to you today, say glory. Come on. When you wake up in the morning, say glory. Come on. When something happens, glory. Will you just show up today and let me know? That's all it is, man. So keep building. And keep letting God build in you. Keep building relationships with other people. Keep building relationships with your church. And let's get together and let's build this physical plant that God wants us to put up. But let us not think for one moment that that building is the it. And our working together is the it. It's not. It's him. Stay there, church. Glory be to God. (laughs) Let him manifest himself through us. So we're going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to take up our offering, ladies and gentlemen. And then we're going to let communion be our benediction today. I love the first Sundays of the month because the first Sundays of every month is where we take communion. We do it because there's so many things that we're doing. There's so many things that you're going through. And there's a lot of Christian things that we get involved in, but we have to remember where they come from. We have to remember where their origination is. It is with him. And so communion is a beautiful thing for us. It begins to help us understand why we have communion. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for an ability today to give. And that giving and receiving is kingdom. Buying and selling is worldly. So as we give to you, Father, you give back to us on the phone. You do. And we thank you for it. So we ask that you will bless this offering and that you will be glorified in it, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Jesus, thank you so much for listening today.